am I doing this too fast? Am I being in a very fast pace? And even those people who kind of like with me from the start and went separate ways, they're just trying to climb up. Though it was a struggle, but yeah, it, it sometimes kind of like makes me feel guilty. And also I think the ones with like, thinking about what other people think, if, especially if it's someone you really care about, it, it really bugs me a lot. And yeah, I think that's why I keep on going back and forth, back and forth with like growth and fixed mindset, or I'm trying to just like hold my, my feet or like trying to grasp in that growth mindset to not go back to where I am. Because um, yeah, it, it's, it's really still a struggle, but yeah, it, it's a good start. Welcome to the She Leads Business Show for female owners and leaders of small and medium-sized businesses. You are in the right place if you want a more aligned success, to make a greater impact, and to have happy, engaged, high-performing and inflow teams that you trust to get the job done. Allowing you to ditch the stress and firefighting, to focus on your most fulfilling high-value work, and to have the financial and time freedom to live the life you truly desire and deserve. I'm your host, Una Doyle, founder of creativeflow.tv, and I'm a speaker, business strategist, and impact coach. Business owners and leaders hire me to help them to achieve impact-driven growth. Yet not every business owner is in the position to hire me, so I created this podcast and in every episode, myself and my guests share the stories, strategies and actionable wisdom to help you to achieve this too. Now, on with the show. Hello, 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 and welcome to the She Leads Business Show. I'm your host, Una Doyle, and today I am so excited to welcome here today, Chris Marie Dano. Hello, Chris. How are you today? Hi, Una. I'm doing great. It's so nice to be in your show. Oh, pleasure to have you here. Pleasure to have you here. So tell me a bit about you, Chris. Like, you know, where, where are you from? Kind of what's your background like? Let's get to know you a little bit. Um, yeah, so I'm from the Phil I'm based from the Philippines and um, I actually graduated as an electrical engineer but I didn't went there. I started blogging just even though I was still in college. And then um, from there, I started to transition to freelancing. I um, dig deeper in there and like started um, venturing different freelancing gigs until I came up into like an idea of actually building my own agency that um, offers those services that I've learned. And um, there are other staff or like t my team members that I've also um, teach or uh, from time to time give the courses that I've studied from before and also train them myself. So yeah, um, this is where I am now. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. Let's go back a little bit. I'm, I'm really curious. You said that you actually studied to be an electrical engineer. Tell me yeah. more about that. So um, just like other like, you know, kids, kids growing up like you don't really have like that something that you really want in mind and sometimes you get affected by the environment you grow into and um you lose track of what you really want i mean there are times that you know what you want but you think it's a hobby and people think that it's not something you can earn with or it's not something that you normally do to succeed um so yeah i've grown up and i get like influenced to actually pursue a career that doesn't really feel like i wanted but because it's something that was feed on me growing up. So I went there 
And then um, when I was in college, I meet different people, um, attended mixers or like self-development um, events. And I, I learned to like, I, my, my mind kind of like opened and I got like different ideas and different like um, inspiration from different people. Like, oh my God, he came from nothing and like went into like a businessman or a business owner. Um, managing people actually graduated on the courses that I'm currently taking right now. And um, yeah, that's, that's how it, it went. And when I, I didn't pursue it, but I just tried to like finish my studies and decided to pursue freelancing from there. And from free freelancing, I transitioned to finally building my own agency. Right. And it, it's really interesting that you're not alone. Like there is so, so many people that have been influenced to go into a career that is not where their heart is. That's not where their passion is and actually isn't necessarily where their strengths are now. And I'm, and I'm curious, like, did you feel that you're that you had the natural um, kind of ways of thinking and being to be an engineer and maybe you've brought those into your business or did you feel that you just weren't a good fit in being an engineer? Um, no, definitely not a good fit of being okay. an engineer. I kept thinking of that when I was like in a, um, like probably last year of my college. It's like, I don't, I can't visualize myself being happy in this career. I know I could be like probably successful, but not happy, which I'd prefer to be happy and like successful as well. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It's, not, it's not an either or. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be both. But yeah, there are kind of like things that I've learned from that course that helped me where I am right now. But um, for like visualizing myself being there, um, not really. I haven't really seen myself. Yeah, and what there. do you think has, you know, you said you the things that have helped you from learning to be an electrical engineer so in what way has that helped you in your business and like team management because um when you go like in college or like a lot of team work that you need to go through like fesses or like proposals or like um reports and demonstrations for um panel members and that helped me kind of like um develop some of my skills right now and communication with people and how you um, treat each other and how you manage a very bad team member and um, to really kind of like still um, get your goal. Great. And I, I think sometimes when people set up in business, particularly when they've come the route you have where you were doing a job as a freelancer first, and then you decided to turn that into a business um, they don't necessarily think about the leadership aspects of that. And yet it's so important when you actually have your own team, right? Yeah, it is really because um, everything you do depends on other people as well. It's kind of like really integrated and connected. And one thing that might even if it's just a little bit that might mess in the system, it kind of like branches out in other departments. And that's kind of like something you don't really want to happen, but have to handle when it comes to that. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we'll come back to that a little bit later in the show. Um, in terms of the, the influences that you had growing up, that kind of 
you know, steered you into that electrical engineering degree uh, and potential career. What was what was it like for you then when you started opening up your mind to other possibilities and the idea of being a business owner? What was the reaction from the people around you? Um, half the, the people I met in those like self-development groups were really supportive. And there were also other people who were really like against it or like said something like an opposite of being supportive. Like, I don't think you can do it. Like, it's so impossible. And don't waste your like four or five years in college for that thing. And even the people who were really close to my heart kind of still kind of a, um, still tried to stop me to really do it because it's kind of new here in where I am. And it's not kind of like something that they're, they've seen often and they think you will really succeed because it's kind of like a system that they're used to like go to college, get a job, get a good job and do a good job and um, improve there, but not really create your own that you offer the job yourself. So it's quite really scary for me because um, yeah, I could feel them saying like, try to like pulling me down because you always have those times where you you're struggling with building your business and um, feeling down and stuff. And they kind of like have that background noise, like, Hey, I told you so, Hey, that's happening now. You're going to go down or something. So it's kind of motivation, but at the same time, a double edged sword as well. And it's interesting why people can be like this, because like I know some of these people, as you said, they're close family members, perhaps some close friends. And I think people's motivations for saying these things can vary. So for some people, it's literally going to be, I don't understand this. So it's scary for me and I want to protect you. I don't want you to get hurt. I don't want you to get disappointed. And there can be the whole thing of, well, actually, you know, as a, as a part of our family, your success or your failure is a reflection on me. So there can be yeah. that whole thing going on as well. And, you know, there also can be people who they would love to do what you're doing. And if you do it and make it work, it takes away all their excuses for not doing it. Yeah, I, 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 I totally get those parts of like, all right, those types of people who did that. And I kind of like always think that they're trying to protect me or like um, they care for me and they love me. And yeah, it's quite interesting to just um, witness their reactions and like just go through it. <laughs> How much of their reactions do you think was about you being a woman in business and how much you think it was just the online part of it? The fact that um, we haven't even said what your business is, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, so um, basically I offer digital marketing services to um, solopreneurs and um, other digital marketing agency as a subcontractors for their um, firms. And um, yeah, we offer SEO, web design, um, article writing, social media management, admin tasks, and more. Okay, great. Yeah. So, so I, I wonder if you had wanted to set up I don't know, say a clothes boutique. Do you think the reaction would have been the same or was it more just the, the online thing that was freaking people out? Oh, it's the same. It's going to be kind of like 
Okay. I think it's going to be the same because I, I did try doing also some of my craft business. It's not like a full business that I'm trying to get into, but it's kind of like my hobby and I just sell the over, over made stuff that I have ah. whenever I'm stressed. So yeah, it's, it's the same reaction that I'm getting. I think it's mostly because I'm a woman at the same time. It's, it's kind of like, isn't something that they've witnessed more like people getting successful in their probably the environment that they go into as well because um they've seen people like failed and this scene like someone who is a business owner turn into someone who works for someone because it went bankrupt or something or mm -hmm. didn't really went up it's just so like stabilizing or just being there steady so yeah i think that's kind of like what impacted them to really tell me what I, like i can't do it or it's it's not something i can do and also me being a woman of course because it yeah well i'm glad i didn't let you stop you <laughs> and, and so now you've got a team of five people is that right yeah five yeah. like people who really is in the team and i sometimes outsource other freelancers as well like three outsourced freelancers that contact from time to time fabulous so how did you feel when you first employed your number one employee what was that it was, like it was scary but it was so i was so excited when i did that because i like oh my god finally someone <laughs> or like other person um um i i kind of like feel a bit weirded out by it because it's kind of like delegating tasks at the same time but then back in your head if you're still starting out can she do it right is this something that the same thing as i did is it the same quality is it the same standard what if it's not and and what if i will do again the whole work and it doesn't work for her? so there's a lot of factors going on there but but yeah you really have to start um outsourcing some of your work so i i just went through it Fabulous. The um, uh, I I I just think it's something innate in so many entrepreneurs to be control freaks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's I a knowing that a laugh, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like from experience, you know, deep rooted from there. That laugh that it came from. So yeah, I I really agree. <laughs> And delegation is so, so important. Now, you know, whether you got five team members or 500, you know, that that's people who are running teams, they have to be able to delegate and delegate well. I think it's really interesting. Some of the conversations that I've had with female leaders around delegation. Um, and I'm curious, do, do you ever feel guilty delegating work or have you ever felt guilty delegating work? sometimes because there are times that it's kind of like in the boundary for example like a social media manager sometimes it's kind of like in between like a, and a virtual assistant and um a social management job but you really have to source this it's to someone but um it kind of like went into her department or field so you need to give it to her but then you, you kind of like also feel that i don't know how you, you describe it but you can say like can she really do it or is it something that she wants to do because it's out of the paperwork or like in the paper um thing that you signed for <laughs> so um i i usually asked them first before i did that and when they said like 
yeah, I can definitely do this. And I think it still covers in this area. And I just shut it down and said, like, okay, all right, here it is. Here's the details and stuff. So, I mean, I, I do feel guilty on some of those parts when it comes to delegating tasks. Yeah, you see, it's an interesting thing. And I need to ask some men the same question, but I suspect that they actually wouldn't feel guilty. (laughs) (laughs) So men, if you're listening, let me know. (laughs) Do you feel guilty delegating? Would it even enter their heads? So and I think that's one of the innate differences often with um, uh, with female leaders is the always thinking about everybody else and sometimes to their own detriment. Yeah. And that's something I really want women to stop doing. And it's not about stopping being compassionate at all. And it's not stopping being caring, but they've got to stop putting everyone else's needs ahead of their own to their own detriment. Now, obviously what you were saying about, well, can they do it? Like you've got, you know, you want people, your team members to be capable and you definitely want them to be in flow. Um, So, yeah, a question for you, actually. Um, in terms of being in flow, you know, it's like really being in the zone where you're working to your natural strengths, you're feeling really engaged in your work. Like on average, if you think back over the last few months, on a scale of zero to 10, where 10 is couldn't be any more in flow and zero is totally out of flow. What number would you give as to like how in flow you are in, uh, on average? An average, um, I guess I'll be around eight. Okay, that's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. So, and what would it take, do you think, to guess from that eight to, to a ten? Um, I guess I have to, like, really be good at what I'm doing and just, like, uh, inspire myself more because I've, I've kind of, like, taken a back from time to time if I could really do a good job of what I'm doing right now. And, um, yeah, I think it's more in a self-development part that I need to improve and integrate it with some of the skills as well. And so I could get into that, like, 10 and more, <laughs> probably so, more. And that's the interesting thing. So is it that you feel mindset stuff is getting in the way of the flow? Is that yeah, what you mean? Bit. yeah. Right. Okay. And that's something that was so interesting because when I first started doing personality profiling and learning about flow and some of these business principles and strategies associated with that, mindset wasn't something that I was taught about, but I actually had a big background in that from elsewhere. And what I realized in working with clients is that I could help them to, you know, create a business model and have growth strategies and to structure their time and the way that they did things to be more in flow. But if they didn't have the right mindset to go with that, they would end up sabotaging themselves. Yeah. So what what would you say is what would you say is the biggest mindset shift that you actually would like to make that would then allow you to kind of be able to hit that 10? Um, in, in, in general, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. In terms of uh, your, your business and your life. <laughs> probably just like building my growth mindset. Cause though I've transitioned from like fixed mindset and gro- to growth mindset, I'm still in like, early age so there is always like a back I mean like you can always like step back from time to time but yeah to like be fully 
in a growth mindset level or like master it and like a master level or like the highest level as possible is what I would be aiming for that. And um, yeah, I, I, I still don't have like a really good like system to, to follow, but I've mostly been like reading books and doing like, or, like structuring my morning routine from time to time to like get in there and like be in the flow. Right. It's, it's, what is your morning routine typically, Chris? Um, I change it from time to time because I've just said I, I tried to structure it in a way that I, that would really fit me. But as of now, I try to have like um, wake up early and just be out of the sun <laughs> to like get in my body clock. And then um, the second thing that I would do is like go walk and after that come back and do some exercise, light exercise, yoga or um, just like a 10 minute or something and then I went into like journals and reading books um, by books I mean like self-development books like right now I'm reading getting things done so oh, yeah. I'm currently doing that and um, yeah after that like coffee coffee doesn't go <laughs> <laughs> like it feels like something's gonna be, like something's missing <laughs> so yeah um coffee and then yeah I, I just like try to do my to-do list or like go if I did it last, I mean, um, the other night or the previous night, I just go over it again and look at my meetings and um, calendar. And yeah, that, that basically sums up my um, morning routine. Great. And your journaling can be so valuable. So if you're listening to this and you don't journal, you don't have any kind of morning routine, I would highly, highly recommend it. It's something I teach all my clients to do is how to structure a morning routine that works for them. And for some people, they like to have more variety. Uh, for other people, yeah. they like to do exactly the same thing every day. So that totally, and that totally depends on your personality profile. You know what yeah. your natural strengths are, what's going to, what's going to work for you. I like to, to shake it up a little bit. <laughs> But I think having those components there, you know, are, are really important in terms of having some kind of silence meditation. I like guided meditations personally, um, but I also do some chanting at times and that kind of really focuses the mind. And yes, it's um, I, I think it's, it can be a good way to really help to just open up our minds to ideas and inspiration and journaling can help figure things out you know as you're writing it's it's kind of like having a conversation but you're yeah. having it with yourself <laughs> yeah it's like just trying to talk to your own and yeah it's amazing because when you start doing it there are things that you don't know you really want or like you're kind of like bothered by it but it's just start flowing out in your paper like whichever other people use but mine I usually have a pen and paper because I like it physical and like smelling the sheets and <laughs> it, it makes me get into like the zone or yeah absolutely ever wondered how can I make a bigger impact with my business there's many ways for you to make an impact Doing a great job with your customers, making an impact for your team are pretty much joint first place, in my opinion, anyway. As your business becomes more profitable and you get to distribute those profits, then, of course, you can look at giving back, which is just so much fun. 
being generous in this way could even be construed as a kind of selfish because it feels so good. And the great news is, is that you don't need to wait to be a millionaire or a multimillionaire to be a philanthropist. You can start giving back today, utilising what Paul Dunn calls the power of small. So what do I mean by that? Well, you might have heard me mention my goal of helping small business owners to unlock an additional 100 million in hidden revenues and while doing so to create 1 million days of smiles for those in need. How can I impact 1 million people positively so that they smile? Well, by integrating giving back into my business in small ways that aren't hugely noticeable for me, yet have a massive impact for them. Now, how to do this is outlined in the book, Our Time to Rise, which is written by Steve Pipe and Paul Dunn, two of the most amazingly generous and kind-hearted men that I've ever met. Now, while you can buy the book on Amazon, and please feel free to do that because there's more money going back into uh, their organisation, I do have Steve and Paul's permission to share with you the free ebook version, which in fact I've written the forward to. So to get your copy, head over to creativeflow.tv, time to rise, or use the link in the description. The interesting thing is, is that doing this, figuring out how to apply the steps that are in the book. And actually, it's all laid out for you step by step anyway. It actually helps you to have a better business in the first place. So even if you're not too sure about wanting to give back, I highly recommend you get it and have a read. Um, I'm sure that you would only get good from it. So link again, creativeflow.tv forward slash time to rise. And it's interesting, like what you were talking about in terms of a fixed versus growth <clears throat> mindset and the some of the things that tend to get in the way of that are people feeling not good enough, not fully approving of themselves, being too concerned with what other people think, um, feeling that they don't deserve guilt often comes up as well like gosh if i'm more successful than other people is that fair and like, there's so many like specific things that can get in the way of that growth mindset do, do any of those particularly resonate chris yeah yeah i think especially the last one kind of thing like i'm i'm kind of like am i doing this too fast am i being in a very fast pace and like other people even those people kind of like with me from the start and went separate ways it's just kind of like steadily being there and i'm like trying to climb up though it was a struggle but yeah it, it sometimes kind of like makes me feel guilty and also i think the ones with like thinking about what other people think if especially if it's someone you really care about it, it really bugs me a lot and yeah i think that's why i keep on going back and forth, back and forth with like growth and fixed mindset, or I'm trying to just like hold my, um, my feet or like trying to grasp and that growth mindset to not go back to where I am. Cause, um, yeah, it's, it's really still a struggle, but yeah, it's a good start. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, <laughs> I think books will help people to get so far, but I know for myself that in my journey, what really made the shift for me was being able to to work uh, 
with the coach to shift those underlying patterns because we quite often don't know what's there subconsciously and with the right tools then you don't have to kind of go I think people are afraid I don't know if you've heard the saying you know people being afraid to open a can of worms is that a phrase you've heard before no actually okay I haven't heard of it <laughs> maybe it's an Irish English thing I don't know <laughs> um but yeah, it's like people say, oh, I don't want to open this can of worms because then like they, they're worried they can't put the lid back on it. Um, I, and then for other people, they're just a, a bit oblivious as to what is actually, they don't understand why they, they have these patterns. But it's that thing about the patterns and we form these neurologically in our brain and, yeah. and, and, kind of, and actually in our bodies as a whole. And when you're able to shift those, my gosh, the, sh the, the difference is huge, absolutely huge. Because I, I, I actually used to have no confidence. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah. I know <laughs> people find it hard to believe now. They're like, it is. Oh. And it's, it's, it is, I was always able to talk to people. I was, I am an extrovert. So I could have conversations with people, but, but years ago, before I did that deeper work, I would be talking to people and constantly trying to figure out what are they thinking? How do I make them like me? You know, and twisting myself in knots yeah. to be whatever I thought they wanted me to be. You know, I didn't value myself. I didn't think I was good enough. I held myself back. I sabotaged myself in all sorts of ways. So yes, it's, it's, you know, I, I think doing that deeper work makes a big, big difference books will only get you so far and and sometimes actually i think books and seminars they can help people from the point of view of um helping them to see what is possible but actually it can be quite frustrating because then people end up going well i shouldn't be feeling this or i shouldn't be thinking this and they're beating themselves up for not being what they kind of know they should be yeah <laughs> And so, whereas it's, if they haven't been given the right tools to shift that, then it's not their fault, you know? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. They're kind of like, sometimes you follow the books, but I mean, you're actually there, just like, I, I, I didn't read this. <laughs> this isn't part of what I just like read recently. And yeah, I think I agree with you on that part. And it's really good when someone's like there with you trying to guide you in like step by step of what you really need fixing or like what you really need help with. Yeah. And it's and it, even actually in the language, because to me, it's always about bringing people back to who <laughs> they really are. I don't see it as as fixing, but as just releasing what isn't you. So like they say with the statue of David uh, by Michelangelo, that he he kind of chipped away at everything that wasn't David to create this beautiful statue. And I feel that we're like that, that we've grown up and we've acquired these societal expectations, um, these these so-called norms, um, the 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 negative patterns of thinking and behaving that we've learned by observing um and stuff that just like you know when we're very young like up until about the age of seven we're just sponges we just absorb everything that's around us um, exactly. and particularly where adults kind of are coming from a do what i say not what i do point of view 
which is most adults to one extent or another. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. There's, um, I think there's a, a lot for us to, to release quite often that we don't even necessarily know what's there. And we don't have to dive into that, you know, with the right tools. Yeah, but it is yeah. a unique way to like um, really see how you see it too. It's interesting that now I'm kind of like thinking again <laughs> to like how, how I see it. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. Oh, good, good. Uh, I I love it because I, I not only want <laughs> listeners going away going, oh, that was interesting. Oh, I'm thinking this now. <laughs> but I can do that for my guests as well. That's even better. <laughs> Fabulous. So um, I want to go back to the go back to the team aspect of things. So, so you've now got five team members. I mean, hiring is one of the hardest things for business owners to do to get right, because, you know, people can they can show up one way in an interview and show up very differently in the workplace. <laughs> so what's been your biggest challenge with with kind of growing your team um that one um one for the interview is like saying no or like how to like reward it so that i can also give value to her or like him at the same time tell her that he's not a good fit or she's not a good fit with the work and the second would be um someone who you thought was really good fit but then when they went there or like when they did the job they they weren't who they said they were or like they all their promises weren't met and um, the standards equality wasn't there at all and that, that's kind of like a bugging and sometimes you give them chances because you think there might be like some factors that actually affects their job or mm -hmm. that's why they're they're producing this kind of quality that you're receiving right now but they're really good they have potential so you keep giving them another chance and then when that chance those up they they're still doing the same thing over and over again even though they said that they're going to be doing well or like they keep giving you promises that are like sometimes excuses like oh yeah someone died or like oh yeah this happened or like my internet is so bad that i thought i edited it or do, did this or did that so yeah it, it's kind of like something for me as a struggle i see as a struggle and yeah i i did deal with it but even now, I think I can still see myself improving how I handled it. Great. So, so what would you, what would you say to someone who is hiring a team member? How can they avoid that happening? Um, you you mean the hiring someone who yeah who isn't a good that. fit? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think the best way to go with that is to actually give them a like a sample work. Not just once but twice if possible and if it's it's not something you can work with you can always have like um a sample work ask for a sample work and then go into like a probation period maybe a month or a week and then if you really think that you're really doing good or like they're really meeting up your expectation then that's the time you can go and like sign papers or documents or contracts or whatever you you have for your team members or like your employees so, okay yeah. it, interesting <clears throat> Typically in the in Ireland and the UK, um, quite often people would have a three month probationary period. I actually would recommend now. So they have an employment contract, but the probationary period allows you to just let them go. 
Um, and actually, it depends on the employment law in different countries. So please check with HR people <laughs> and legal experts who, uh, who are able to advise you in this. Um, my recommendation is actually to have a probationary period of six months. And here's why. As an employee, when I worked in a marketing agency, I remember there being um, uh, a young woman who was taken on and literally the day her three month probationary period was up, she changed her behavior and started being who she really was. She was able to fake it for three months, but the moment that that probationary period was over, she started slacking. She started having an attitude and her real self started really coming out. Now there had been little glimpses of it, but not enough for her not to get taken on fully. And um, people can't pretend to be something they're not for too long. Like the cracks were beginning yeah. to show, but obviously they hadn't shown enough. And so actually having a longer probationary period will protect you um, from, from an employee, employment law perspective, depending on what the laws are, um, you know, where, where you live. And it, I think it just, when it's taken with the attitude, I know Southwest Airlines, they very much have the attitude of like when they're moving people from one job to another, like say someone gets promoted or they maybe decide they want to work in a different department or discipline and they have a um, no failure attitude because sometimes people actually get promoted out of flow. So they might be doing really well and because they're doing really well, they get promoted, but maybe their responsibilities and accountabilities in that next job are actually not what actually made them successful. It could be very different. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they actually have an attitude of, well, if we promote you and you don't like it, or if you ask to be transferred to another department and it's not working, you can go back to what you were doing before. And there's no bad feeling. There's no, oh, that didn't work out. <gasps> the shame. There's nothing like that. And I love that attitude. Now, obviously in a small company, <laughs> there yeah. isn't the room to do those kinds of things. But I think what there can be is that attitude of let's try each other on and see if we can be a good fit. Um, yeah. But try that out for a longer period of time. And then the, and, and then like and I like what you said about, well, when you're interviewing people and you can tell they're not a good fit, either from a capability or attitude point of view, whatever it might be, that you give that person feedback. I think that's yeah. so valuable for people who are job hunting and um, to get that feedback, because often they're left with no idea why they didn't get a job. Yeah. Um, so so I think that it's about having open, honest conversations. And I think if people understand, like, and this is where I kind of, I guess, networking with other business owners really helps too, is that someone might be, not be a good fit for you, but they might be a great fit for that other business owner that you know. And maybe they're looking for somebody just like this person. And do you know what I mean? That it's yeah. it a mutual, a mutual um, situation with trust and respect, unless of course somebody is a rotten apple. And do you have that, you know, the idea that rotten apple spoils yeah, the girl, yeah? yeah? <laughs> and um, I mean, those rotten apples, they need to be got rid of straight away. That's the exception yeah. I would say. <laughs> so what's your, what's your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, um, I, I do agree with that one. And I, I actually love your example of like the Southeast um, Airlines. I, I think if it's like for, if it can only be applicable to like a small team, that would really be amazing. But yeah, for a small team, it, it's, it's kind of like um, a very important part to like really get to know your team members and just like um, leaving them to where you kind of like hire them in the first place because so, sometimes um it, it did happen to me once where i actually got like really um trusty with someone or should i say like i was really getting comfortable because she's kind of like producing really 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 well um jobs or like projects and um when i started to like giving it all to her and um didn't follow up or like follow up every week only and it, it went so sideways so it, it didn't work well and like mm. for both of us as well so yeah I think this is where understanding where your team members are in and out of flow and you know how much interaction they not kind of like and require <laughs> so <laughs> so part of that requiring is about the delegation process and making sure that you know there's full understanding and things like that and it's also some people need interaction and other people just want to be left alone to get on with things <laughs> and so it's having those conversations with your team members to figure out like you can't manage every team member exactly the same way they, yeah. they need different things um, and so that, these are the kinds of conversations that I want leaders to be having with their team members. Um, yeah, and, and, and definitely doing, I would highly recommend like at the hiring stage and after hiring, you know, if it wasn't done then, the understanding the personality profiles of what has somebody in flow makes a big, big difference as well. And also feeds conversations about their career path as, as your company grows. Yeah. So it's really important to really get to know them and what they're comfortable with or like what they're surely comfortable with. Because sometimes they just like say, yeah, I'm comfortable with this one or like, yeah, this is fine with me. But then um, after sometimes you can just feel it in the work that they've done, like you can kind of like see some awkwardness in there and um, you can like ask them again why that happened or why this happened. And then that's the time that they're going to be so honest with you because you kind of like, I've given them some points and dots like this and that and then they just kind of like tell you what they really feel about the task or like the work that you're giving them and yeah the like yeah absolutely it's about conversations exactly <laughs> it has to be those conversations <laughs> absolutely so um one of the things that we talked about is like you're so you're based in the philippines and i'm just curious what is a common myth about business in the philippines oh um i think it's how they see like being business owner is like just being having that title you're really like having so many great things around you like oh you're a business owner wow and then they just can't see what's behind it or like that you you're currently struggling or you just became one and it's just even a month and then they're like overpricing you about it i mean it, it's not a bad thing to like really motivate someone or like praise them but not really seeing like or like at least giving or being interactive or like giving advice about like oh you you've become this and um so tell me how does it feel like or or just being like into 
like understanding the other person about how they've become or how they got there is kind of like what I think is kind of like a myth for me. So let me just check I've understood this. So you're saying that they have a perception of what a business owner is. So they're maybe thinking, oh, if you were a business owner with 500 staff, that's their idea of what a business owner is, as opposed to, okay, you're in the stage where you're growing and it's a bit scrappy and, you know, you're kind of trying this, that and everything to make things work and to grow. It's a different stage of the journey. Is that that what you mean? Yeah, they don't see the stages. They just see like someone like, in that like it's a crown or a throne that everyone has and then it would everyone would be equal to if okay. they're already in there so yeah well and, and they are not equal <laughs> i mean there's a huge <laughs> no, no. there's a huge number of small businesses that fail you know i mean the vast majority of them do not get past five years and, yeah. and i think that's really really sad and and you know i experienced a lot of those challenges myself in the early days <laughs> It was partly a mindset thing, partly not using the right strategies, a lack of focus, all of those things. Like, you know, I, I had some really hard times myself in the early days of business and for for people to, to, to be able to share some of that. I mean, it's it's not about kind of going, oh, it's really hard. <laughs> it's, <laughs> no, about, it's, just... it's about going, well, yes, I'm a new business owner. I have a small team. <laughs> And helping people to have that uh, that understanding, and this is one of the reasons why I started this show is to share these stories and to share, you know, some advice and and tips and strategies for people. Let me ask you something: if I was to ask you to give me ten pounds or dollars or euros, whatever your particular currency is. And I guaranteed to give you a hundred back and then followed through and did so. Would you want to do it again? Of course you would. (laughs) That's a 10 times return on your investment. Well, today I want to share with you a resource that is very similar. Okay, now this resource is not for everyone. For instance, it's not designed for startups, okay, who people who are only just starting out. It's really only beneficial for more established business who are typically turning over at least late five figures through six figures up to the early seven figures. Plus, the business owners need to want to increase their profits and how much they are personally taking home. They need to be open minded about learning new principles and strategies and be prepared to implement what they discover. What is it that I'm talking about? It's a session where I'll help you to unlock at least 50K of extra hidden revenues in only 50 minutes without spending a penny more on marketing or advertising. And that's guaranteed. Now, please understand that this is not a discovery call in disguise. It's more than a session, in fact. It's a fully-fledged, standalone little mini program that combines some training, strategies and coaching. You might be sceptical and wonder, how can I possibly do that? Well, it's a combination, combination of things. So before the session, you'll do a 50 minute video training that explains why most small business marketing doesn't work as well as you'd like and what to do instead. Now, I've even had experienced marketers scratching their heads saying, wow, I'm not doing this myself (laughs) when they've watched that video. Okay, 
Second thing, in the session itself, I use our proprietary business assessment software, which has millions of algorithms that help us to evaluate different strategies to see which ones would be most profitable for you. And thirdly, you'll also do a personality profile test that helps me to guide you to the particular strategies that are most suited to you or perhaps the person who would be implementing these strategies. And of course, I've been coaching and consulting in one form or another since 2003. So of course, my experience comes into play here too. Now, even though I'm guaranteeing the session and if I don't find you the guaranteed amount, you won't pay a penny, I'm not even asking for the whole amount up front. You just pay a small deposit and then only pay the rest once I've shown you the money. Want to know more? Head over to the webpage now at creativeflow.tv 50k. So that's the number 50, number K. Or click the link in the description. Let me give that to you again. It's creativeflow.tv forward slash 50k. So, I, so what's your vision for your business in three to five years time? You know, where do you want to be? What kind of revenues do you want to be hitting? How big a team do you anticipate having? How would that be structured? What's your ideas around that? Oh, um, I, I do imagine having like a real like physical office and um, having like around four to like all having all departments like SEO, web design or like um, graphic designing and um, I can't like really see the number of staff because I, I don't know when I sit there how many people I would need. But for the revenue, definitely hitting like probably like seven to eight figures. That's kind of like a bit dream or ambitious. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Look, but you've got to be ambitious, you know. Yeah. You <laughs> here's one of the things that a lot of people don't understand and. So my my husband is he's a very opposite personality profile to me. So he now understands that when I have big ideas and big vision, that, um, you know, that's scary to him. Yeah. So, but for me, if I don't have big ideas and big vision, then it's like, oh, what's the point? That's boring. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be big to be exciting. <laughs> it's like a motivation too. It, it serves as motivation every time you wake up, even every day, it's like, yeah, I want this. And you just get up and start moving. Cause sometimes it can be so lazy. And so like the bed feels good. Like, um, especially in rainy days. <laughs> yeah. I got one right here too. <laughs> <laughs> I like sleep out and just not do anything for a day. But yeah, those kind of things keeps me motivated and like having big dreams and big goals as well. Great. And having a plan to get there, I think is also really important. I'm curious actually, because most businesses of your size do not have a written business plan. Do you have one? Um, I actually have just like a draft through like a mind map kind of um, app software. I, I do it there and like just map out what I want or where I want my business to be like three to five years. And I also map where it is right now. So I just like have separate mind maps for it and yeah, start branching out things that, yeah, I want this and start putting notes there. It, it's not really properly strategized well, but I'm working on it every, every kind of like, not every day, but every now and then. And then yeah. every time an idea pops up, I just like add it and sometimes delete some of the things and change it. 
So yeah, it's not perfect yet, but yeah, I'm trying to draft from from now and like every now and then. Okay, right. And I think I think one of the things that happens is <laughs> when small business owners think business plan, they think like 50 page document that you have to give to your bank manager. And <laughs> it's not, I mean, the business plan that you would use for funding is different to a working business plan. So one of the things I do with my clients is we do 90 day plans. Now you want to have a kind of idea of where you want to go in that year for sure. But having 90 day plans allows you to get into enough detail to make sure that you're not going to miss things. Um, and if you do it right, then you will also not over planning, which I think for ambitious business owners is one of the biggest challenges. And particularly when they're like, because you want to have your team members to have different strengths to you. But sometimes like with, um, you know, my husband, I mean, he's fine now. He doesn't get scared now. <laughs> but when we first met, he was kind of like, whoa. <laughs> um, but for team members, it's very easy to feel left behind because the business owner is going, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. But they're going, well, I need detail. Where is the detail? <laughs> um, you know, when they have different levels of strengths than the business owner. And um, so having those plans then helps to communicate with the team. And it also makes a big difference in terms of anticipating what might go wrong and actually getting into the the numbers a bit and because uh, I, I love mind mapping and i do mind mapping when i'm planning but then look to turn that mind map into more of an uh, an action plan yeah that i can use for for me and uh, team members as well it's quite something that i would be interested with because currently i think something is really missing and um as like someone who really is just alone with drafting and like strategizing. I mean, I get things from books and um, YouTube videos or like courses and just getting ideas from there as they kind of like say, yeah, this is how you start it or like this is how you're gonna draft it and this is how your business strategy should go. And so basically every time I listen to something new, it, it just gets drafted every now and then. So I can't really finalize it to the end because there are new ideas coming up at the same time. It's hard to integrate it with other people's idea or like other people's um, advices as well. So okay. yeah, I think 90 right. days is really something that could really work on that. Focus, 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 focus. This is one of the hardest things for creative business owners. Chris. It Seriously, it's, it's a, an issue that I really used to have as well. And, you know, it's it's in my nature. I, I still am challenged by it occasionally because I because I, I, I was laughing to myself when you were saying that about, oh, well, it's not finished because I got these ideas and then I get uh, this other the strategy I hear from someone else and then I learn yeah. something else. And here's the problem with that. OK is that it means that, um, well, number one, you're not finishing the plan. So if no, it's not finished, not then it tends not to get implemented. Um, and here's the second thing is that when you're kind of taking strategies from here, there and everywhere, those things aren't necessarily what are in flow for you and your team. Um, and also quite often it's too much. You know, because as like, so as a, for you as a business owner with five team members, you're really the one that's making all the decisions. 
So yeah. even though you have a team that you can delegate the doing work to, I would imagine that they're doing client work, but you're the one that's doing the running the business work. Is that right? Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. So you're still doing all the running the business work and the, the chances are, I bet if I was to look at those mind maps, I would be like, that's way too much to try and for one person <laughs> to be doing. So, yeah. So getting to focus in on a time frame and, you know, just like one to three things in that three months that you're going to do, that actually then allows you every quarter to be able to, to go, okay, now we've done this. Let's take from that and learn from it going forward. Um, and that's a brilliant thing I love about 90 day planning as opposed to 12 month planning is that you've got four learning opportunities. What worked? What didn't work? How can we do this again, but do it better? Rather than what's so typical for us creative entrepreneurs is, oh, I did that and that was great. What's new and exciting? Ooh, shiny new objects. <laughs> <laughs> so and then kind of not actually learning from what's been done and building upon it and that's that's where you're going to massively accelerate your growth is the 90 day kind of i mean 90 day planning kind of like um for that period of strategizing for your business or does it go into like or is it applicable to really growing your business after the 90 days um okay strategy? so so what, what I would, what I would suggest for people is that they have, um, so they have a vision. So they have that three to five year vision. They then look at what do they want to achieve in the year to have a bit of an idea for each quarter of what they plan to do. Um, but only plan in detail that the, that 90 day period that you're in or just about to hit. Um, and right, because so it's, so your 90 day plan ought to end up in your task management system and your calendar and that of your team members. Okay. okay. So, so specific sorry. projects, specific processes that you create or run specific promotions that you're going to run. Um, that's, that's what the business has. That's really what your business is made up of is projects, processes, and promotions. So yeah. for, for, just to explain for anyone that might not understand the, the difference, a project is from, you know, um, this date to that date. It's so imagine, um, imagine starting a newsletter. I like this example, right? Cause I think everyone can understand this. So deciding what newsletter you're going to create, who is it for? What content is it going to be? Is it going to be print or email? Um, how often is it going to go out? So all of those things and getting that first issue created and distributed, that's your project of a newsletter, but then it becomes a process. So then depending on the time, so say you decided it was going to go out twice a month. So then twice a month, you run that process You go through specific steps, different people on your team might be responsible for some of those steps. Um, yeah. And that happens on a recurring basis. And then a promotion is simply a profitable project. So, um, and it's not necessarily a discount. I think people think of promotion mm -hmm. as sales. It's not necessarily a discount but it is some activity that you're taking to grow your business. And I think what I see with a lot of businesses is that they don't run promotions. They, all their sales are very ad hoc and they don't necessarily have, 
um, a sales process or processes for different things that they sell and different customers, you know, that they work with. Um, and then they also don't necessarily have a promotion that is going to get a lot more people going through that sales process. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I can see like some of the pictures out bit by bit, but I still kind of like, um, confused some of it, but after that explanation, it kind of like, Oh, okay. Good, good. It's, <laughs> it, it's, it's something that it isn't really taught to people and most look, let's face it. I mean, okay. So your degree is in electrical engineering, but I did a business degree. I did not learn any of that when I did my business degree. So, you know, a business degree teaches people how to be an employee for a big business. It doesn't yeah. actually teach them how to run a business. So oh, most, weird. yeah, most, most business owners don't even have business or marketing business. training and they do something like, like, just like you, you were a freelance marketer and then you set up a business as an agency where you actually started growing your team. So, and that's what happens for so many people in setting up their business. They do a job or they do something freelance and then they start growing it, but they've never had this kind of training. They've never had somebody that they can work with. And I think this is why coaching is growing so much because more and more people are starting their own businesses and they need help. They need somebody to guide them through the absolute maze of information that is out there. Because I mean, I, I, how many things have you read or watched a YouTube video that actually directly contradict something else that you learn? Has that ever happened? Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. it's the same with a business plan. I think because um, this idea contradicts with the other and like this book contradicts with this um, course. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so um, let's pause here and just like reevaluate myself then. <laughs> Which one I It's confusing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is confusing. There is so much information out there. And, and this is why actually starting with what has you as the business owner in flow is so important so that you're building the right business that has yeah. a business model that suits who you are and to choose a small number of strategies that then help you to grow. Exactly. I, I think that, I think that's what's so, so important. Wonderful. Okay. I want to um, talk, I, I did a bit of research. And I was really interested because I, I, I've, and it is interesting. I have had suppliers based in the Philippines. So I, I actually have got some experience of working with the Philippine business myself. And, um, but I was curious, I'd never, you know, I, uh, we have this section called speak up statistic <laughs> okay. uh, about women in business. And I just thought, I'm just curious, like what's, what are the statistics for male and female entrepreneurs in the Philippines? So I was really interested to to look at this and I found some things that I thought was interesting. And um, so when it comes to men and women, I was amazed, not amazed, but I was interested, curious, curious that females started their business. 58% of them said it was to have a, a source of income but for men, it was 48%. But they had a higher percentage of wanting a work-life balance compared to the female business owners. I thought that was really curious. 
what's your thoughts on that yeah um that that actually kind of like a bit of something you culture based or kind of like culture um how you call this uh it's kind of like a something that we we're we're used to so for men um they said that it's 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 more of like for them it's work balance than having a source of income because i think they're seeking more for like stability and um more into like having things like stabilized on their end while women have that kind of um side where they really want something and um they want to be independent or like they want more like having full control of themselves while men just want like um like yeah work balance like someone who can go home to and um while having a source of income and having like a well um life that they could live with while women kind of like pursue something that they could be in control with their lives because it's very new here and it's very trendy to like i mean the the women in business still growing in this um, country that some of them, some of us are still um, in like work from, ho- I mean, not work from home, but like women who are like housewives, sorry, um, housewives. So yeah, I think that's basically how I see it for this statistic record. It's interesting because one of the other questions that was asked, uh, one of the other questions that was asked was about um being more independent and actually for women it was higher than men by about five percent so it's it looks like about 30 percent of men said that was one of the reasons they set up in business but it was nearly 40 percent for women so yeah you hit the nail right on the head there (laughs) (laughs) yeah because i've had chat with other like also women who are starting and already in business and that's that's the number one thing they usually say, like, I want independence or like, I want full control of my life. I want to do this without someone telling me not to. And I can't because I don't have the funding to do so. So yeah, I think that's right. basically how it impacted the statistic record. Right. And you brought up funding there. That was one of the other things that this research showed is that like most of the financing like for most uh, business owners, they were self-funded. So it was 65% for women and 66 for men. But interestingly enough, 6% of women got a bank loan, but 13% of men did. So over double men sought men outside. higher. Yeah. yeah. And they also had um, money from family. It was 14% for uh, women but 18 percent for men and that is definitely a trend i've seen internationally is that and i don't know whether i'm curious to know how much of it is um women not thinking i want this funding and i'm going to go to a bank to get it um or whether they're they are applying and not getting it because of discrimination i don't know i don't know those facts i mean there definitely is in terms of like angel investments and venture capital funding there is totally the figures show the number of female-owned businesses that get that actually get funding compared to men is ridiculous and it's very low um but from banks um i guess i just think it's interesting that less women got um, a bank loan and i think women are much more inclined to 
I think it must hold them back. There's points in your growth when there needs to be an investment where you've got to have that working capital to pay those staff to service um, a client, you know, whatever it might be, um, where there's a disconnect between when the money's coming in and when it when when it's going out, <laughs> um, or to make an investment, for instance. So yeah. So did you ever get any funding for your business so far? Um, no, I actually tried my self-funding, like I, I worked and then like saved up enough amount to really start my own. But I guess for the other like family kind of, I mean, it's a statistic why it's kind of like lower than men is, yeah, I think it's the same as how other people like um, not support me right now to like do what I want because I'm a woman. And at the same time, they're kind of scared to like really pursue what they want because um yeah and um other family i mean when you they ask for family members for support to build their own business and then the first thing that will come up who will take care of the kids and like a lot of us like culturally kind of tends to be hands-on on like kids i mean there are others who are practicing like working while having like caretakers do the work for kids and just like take care of them every time they're out of work but yeah that's kind of like still in practice here so i guess it's the reason why this statistic shows that um it's lower than men right yeah and yeah. It's, it's going to take time for that to shift but hopefully you know conversations like we're having here are, are going to help with help some women with that to understand that oh actually because i, I speak i spoke to a few smaller business owners who they very much had the oh i was doing this as a side hustle while being a mom and i didn't believe that i could make it be a bigger thing and so they had to kind of get over that um so yes i think it's it's definitely a mindset thing um and actually i think this is where guilt also well, comes in. <laughs> like, it, it crops yeah. up way too much we need to get rid of this guilt chris okay yeah. we're gonna have to have a conversation about this yeah. <laughs> but you're not alone you're not alone <laughs> i can tell you that much absolutely yeah so um what would it like what are some takeaways that you would like to to share with our listeners for them to help you know, to help them to, to grow and, and to grow in their business? Um, yeah, for like, I think the first thing that you really need to work on is yourself. And yeah, as I've said, it's always a mindset thing because there's always like, um, when, when it's not stabilized yet or when your um, mindset's not strong yet to get into what you're trying to build, it will, and it will get in the way. Um, it, in moving forward so sometimes it's either it's you're not going to grow or you're just going to be steady because you're too afraid or um you don't have that confidence to move forward with it so i think that's the first thing that you really have to focus and as for delegation you really have to like maybe um read more and um have someone to really go or like help you build a system to delegate um tasks and delegate or like especially if it's your first time hiring someone um i i did that and i just didn't really read enough or like watch um videos enough or courses and ask advice to really hire my first um 
team member and and that went sideways so i would really highly recommend if you're trying to like um hire your first team member to have some other like a lot enough data to get into it because then it's not just your work that's going to be affected it's also going to be like your um flow and your um schedules and everything especially if you're working from like different projects or you have different projects in hand so yeah i guess that sums up everything well, I, I think those are two really, really important points. I always say your business is never going to grow any bigger than your mindset is. <laughs> yeah. So it's definitely is a limiter for so many people. Um, and and yes, I you know, and I, I get it. It is, I think when, like, I'm curious actually, you know, talking about the delegation, when you think about the team members, the first few team members that you took on, how long did it take them to get up to speed that you felt yeah great they've got it now um you mean how how long have i it went to like me trusting them to do the work yes yeah um i think it's like months like two to three months mm -hmm. but, but right. yeah i i still i didn't show it of course but it, it's still in me that like i'm still fidgety or like scared or edgy is like is this going to go well? And um, it, it took me so much time to really, really review their work. So basically, um, it's kind of still have the work the same time that I'm hiring them, but then it, it's, it make me trust them more. So yeah, I, it, it took, it took me for like two to three months to really um, give my fully trust to their work or like their capabilities. And that's another reason why you want to have that probation period be at least yeah. that long, if not yeah. longer. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and that's, I'd say that's very typical. Okay. So that was not kind of a long time for you to feel that it takes people time, even if they've done the same job somewhere else, they need to understand how to do it your way, um, or the way, like the, the way of the business. And, um, you know, there's, uh, it takes people time to get up to speed. And so the, the timing of when bringing staff members on is, is a bit of an art and a science <laughs> and cash flow has a big impact on this as well. Yeah. Um, and if business owners leave it too late to bring on a staff member, then they end up that they're so busy. They haven't got time to, to spend training, reviewing, giving feedback, which is so necessary. And I think there often is the feeling of, oh, I'll take on this team member and then, oh, I've got all that off my plate instantly. It's not an instant process. The reality is that you have to allow that, that learning curve to happen. You have to allow them to kind of bed into your company and your culture and the way that you do things. Yeah. Um, and you've got to get to know them and, and understand how they want to be managed, how you like to manage, how do you get a good fit between those two things if they're different? <laughs> you know, all of those things are, are going on. Yet, if business owners don't hire those staff members, then the business is never going to grow. Yeah. And I know there's, I mean, and obviously you use contractors and like there's a lot of people that will say, oh, you can just have a business totally with contractors. And you can, that is one business model for sure. And some people make it work really well. Um, but here's the thing, typically 
when businesses only use contractors, they always end up doing all the running of the business themselves. And there has to be a point where you start delegating some of the running of the business. If you're not able to replicate yourself with it, you know, like you, that's got to be your aim that you yeah. don't have to be there, <laughs> that you're there by choice. You're there by choice for the amount of time you want to be there <laughs> and you want to be able to go and have a holiday, take a month off. And when you come back, the business is running better than when you <laughs> left it. You know, that's the goal. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. But I think one of the mistake also that we are like a mind thing here, like a belief that people have or like a business owners have is that when they hire someone, it's automatically freedom for them, but not really. It, it takes a really long time to build a system for you to get there to like get your own free vacation without like minding or like having tr thinking something about your um, business going on fire it, it takes a very long time to really build that system and proper delegation to be there and i think okay, that's one of my one of my mistakes too <laughs> like one of the beliefs that i think is really wrong i thought it was like okay three months and it will be okay and i could travel there or here and do stuff freely but no um it wasn't that way right and i think this is making the distinction between staff members who help <laughs> doing client stuff and staff members who actually help you run the business yeah. um and so you know there's looking at those things and having plans systems processes this is this is actually what helps people to create seven and eight figure businesses and without those it isn't going to happen growth is always going to be more random and ad hoc and uh, and there's and kind of very out of your control actually you know without having because at least if you you know that's not i mean most plans don't work 100 percent. it's not about the plan working 100 percent. it's about you being able to do things and then see what did and didn't work that yeah. you're actually learning from that all the time um yeah so it's so yeah i think those are great points i think that's something great for um uh, for business owners and leaders listening to really understand. And, and even if they're an employee in a bigger firm that is running a team, just to understand that about, oh, if they want to take on that extra team member, it it doesn't mean instantly. There has to be that bedding in process uh, yeah. to go in through that as well. Fabulous. Chris, it's been wonderful speaking with you. Thank you so much for sharing your journey with us and uh, being so open about your experience. So let's uh, please share where people can find you and find out more about you and your business. Um, yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. It's at Digital Savvy vs.com or you can just visit our website that's digitalsavvyvs.com and uh, my personal ig handle is also at kimmy sassy <laughs> kimmy sassy <laughs> fabulous yeah. wonderful i'll put those links into the show notes as well so please do connect up with chris uh we want to be creating um, a network here of of female business owners who can help support each other Fabulous. Thank you so much, Chris. It's been a joy to speak with you. I wish you all the best for your future success. And, and I really hope that yeah, and trust that you're going to achieve the seven and eight figure success that you deserve. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me in this show. It was really great. I really had 
fun talking with you. It was so good. It was a good time. Thank you very much. And that's all for today, folks. Make sure that you subscribe to get more of this juicy goodness for your business and check the description for links mentioned in this episode. Enjoyed this free broadcast? I want you to know that I go so much deeper into the topics discussed so you too can grow a fun-to-run, highly profitable business that increases your impact and your creative flow. If you'd like to know more about that, let's arrange to hop on a call. You can set that up at creativeflow.tv forward slash call with Una. That's creativeflow.tv forward slash call with Una.